When evening came, Jesus' disciples went down to the lake, got into a boat, and went back across the lake towards Capernaum. Night came on, and Jesus still had not come to them. By then, a strong wind was blowing and stirring up the water. had rolled about three or four miles when they saw Jesus walking on the water. Next day, the crowd which had stayed on the other side of the lake realized that there had only been one boat there. They knew that Jesus had not gone in it with his disciples, but that they had left without him. Other boats, which were from Tiberias, came to shore near the place where the crowd had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they got into those boats and went to Capernaum, looking for him. You know, to be in a storm is never any fun, is it? Whether it's the disciples on the Sea of Galilee or maybe the people in the western United States experiencing a blizzard the last few days or up in the Midwest, upper Midwest, an ice storm. You know, or here in Florida when we face hurricanes. And my wife Lisa and I uh, have moved here last, uh, oh, a little bit under a year ago. And uh, do you remember last fall, Hurricane Ian kind of came through, and it was our first experience because uh, we spent 40 years in the desert. And uh, I was pastoring there. I grew up in Austria. I'm from Austria originally, so when I speak and you notice a little bit difference, don't try to guess, you know, where is, wh 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 why does this guy sound funny? Funny. I'm from Austria, so Germany is my mother tongue, but uh, I spent 40 years in the desert in El Paso in that surrounding area. And uh, after spending 40 years in the desert, I said, God, is there another place? I felt like Moses, you know, and then God said, okay, I'll send you to the promised land. And so we ended up here. <laughs> and uh, we experienced our first hurricane here. Well, it was not 
too bad at all when Ian came through. But I got lots of phone calls and text messages saying, hey, from friends back in El Paso, did you survive the storm? And I tried to tell them, you know, it wasn't that bad. It's kind of like in El Paso, we have sandstorms. And uh, I said, if you take one of our sandstorms and replace the sand with water, and that's about what it's like or what we experienced. Uh, so yes, we survived the storm. And I want to talk to you this morning about surviving storms, okay? And we want to look at John, the sixth chapter. If you have a Bible, you want to turn there. We want to go through the passage, John 6, 15 through 21. You have just seen the scripture video of that. But uh, we want to talk about that. You know, it's uh, the story of Jesus walking on the water and the disciples being in a storm. Now, if you are sailing through life right now and everything is calm, you know, everything is smooth sailing with you, that's great. But you know that sooner or later, we all are going to face life storms, right? Whether it's a financial storm, whether it's a, a relationship storm, a marriage storm, a health storm, at work, whatever it may be. When storms of life come, I want you to know one thing, that with Jesus, you can survive any storm. With Jesus, you can survive any storm. That is the message of the miracle that we're going to look at today. You know, in the story, uh, what you will learn is that what Jesus can do for you, what Jesus does for us, when we face storms. What does he do for you when you face the trials and the hardships, the troubles of life? And so I want to give you four truths this morning. If you're taking notes, you need to write those down. They're like four anchors for your soul. They're four anchors that will stabilize your heart, that will stabilize your life when you have to go through a storm. The first one is, with Jesus, you can survive any storm because you are controlled by his providence. You are controlled by his providence. I want you to look again at verse 16 through 18. It says, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. They got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough, a storm came up, because a strong wind was blowing. Now let me give you a little background here. What just happened right before what we read here, what just happened was Jesus performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000 with two fish and five loaves of bread. So Jesus had become very popular. He had become very popular, and the disciples, they were all pumped. I mean, they were excited. They were not only filled with food, but they were filled with uh, peace, and uh, they were filled with confidence and joy, because look what happened. Jesus performed this miracle, and I mean, he couldn't, just, he couldn't get any better than that. And after all, Jesus was a miracle worker. You know, he was a walking cafeteria. And little did they know that right after that high point, what they had experienced, they were sailing right into a storm. That's the way it happens in life, doesn't it? A crisis in life is like that. You cannot see it coming. 
I mean, none of us can predict tragedy. That's why it scares us so much. Now, you, you may be doing great right now. I don't know, but you can bank on that, that a storm is going to come. You cannot predict the storms. But when they hit, you know, they will hit you. See, the Bible teaches there are three kinds of storms that, you know, we go through in life. There, there, there are storms that we bring on ourselves. You know, maybe because of the dumb choices that we make, and then we reap the consequences. And so it puts us right in the middle of a storm. A good example of that is in the Old Testament. Do you remember Jonah? What happened to Jonah? Jonah, he was, God told him to take the Overland Express to Nineveh, but he said, no, I'm going to go on a Mediterranean cruise and went the opposite direction, right? He did his own thing, and what happened? He got into a storm, you know, because of his choice. So we make choices sometimes that put us in a storm, but there are other storms, not the ones that we bring on ourselves, but that other people cause. You know, look again at Jonah. He was on the ship. The sailors were on the ship. And the sailors, they had to go through the storm. And they go, you know, Jonah, what's happening here? And he had to confess to them it was his fault, you know, because he disobeyed God. So they had to go through a storm. And those are really kind of the hardest to take, you know. They are especially hard to deal with. It's when you are the victim, when you didn't do anything. You know, and yet you have to go through the storm. But there is the third kind of storm, and that is the storm that God causes. You know, this is the case here. You see, with Jonah, yes, God caused that storm, but God caused the storm because Jonah was disobedient. But you know why the disciples are in a storm right now? Because it was Jesus' fault. Jesus told them to go on the lake. You know, in Matthew 14, verse 22, Matthew gives us the same story from his perspective. But in verse 22, it says that immediately Jesus, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So Jesus was the one who sent the disciples into a storm. All the disciples did was obey. And now they experience a crisis. Listen, obedience to Christ often creates difficulties. You know, some people, they think or they imply that if you give your life to Christ, if you follow Jesus, you'll never have any more problems. Everything's just smooth sailing. Well, that's not true. You're living proof of that. And I'm living proof of that. No matter how committed you are, you're going to have problems. In fact, often you will have problems because of your commitment to Christ. You see, the disciples, they were in the storm not because they were out of the will of God. They were in the will of God. They were doing exactly what Jesus wanted them to do. Now, Matthew tells us, you know, that the storm hit during the darkest part of the night. It was between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning. And... Uh, the disciples, they were in the middle of the lake, and I mean, they were paralyzed with fear. They couldn't go back. It was too difficult to go forward, and they were filled with despair. But you know what? The situation was fully known to Jesus. Maybe you're in a storm right now, and it looks like your little boat is sinking. You know, you're about to go under. 
you know, and you tend to despair. You are afraid because you feel out of control. You know, when, when we cannot control a situation in our life, we become afraid. And you cannot control everything that happens in life, right? We know that, but you don't have to. It's out of your control, but it is not out of God's control. See, God is in control. Yes, there are many things that I cannot control. And that's what makes a crisis a crisis. That's what makes a storm a storm. It comes unexpectedly. You know, it comes un uncontrollably. It comes with a varying force, you know, and with different sizes. We don't know. But listen, God is aware and God cares. And he got it under control. So I want you to know that there's nothing that comes to you Nothing that hits you except that which Jesus, which Jesus either allows or causes, okay? But there's nothing. Everything has to go through the loving hands of Jesus. Now, one way or the other, you are being, being controlled by his providence, by his loving care, providential care when the storms of life hit you. But... You know, he has his eye on you. And your storm is not beyond his control. So this is an anchor for your soul. Hang on to that. But a second thing is with Jesus, you can survive any storm because first of all, you are controlled by his providence. But God knew already, listen, God already knew before you were born what was going to happen during this season of your life. God already knew that even before you were born. But the second anchor is with Jesus, you can survive any storm because you are covered by his prayers. You are covered by his prayers. You see, Jesus prays for you when you are going through a storm. After Jesus sent the disciples across the lake, what happened next? Well, in verse 15, we read, Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to a mountain by himself. See, he sent the disciples away and withdrew uh, by himself. You know, he went to the mountain because, remember, the people, I mean, he was so popular, they wanted to make him king by force because he fed them. And so he went to a mountain all alone. And do you know what he was doing on that mountain up there? Well, again, Matthew fills us in with that. In four, verse uh, 23, Matthew 14, it says, After he had dismissed the crowd, he went up on the mountain to himself to pray, by himself to pray. He was praying. From that mountaintop, Jesus saw everything that was happening. He saw the clouds roll in. He saw the water getting rough. He saw the disciples rowing desperately, Mark tells us that in his account of the story. Jesus saw it all, and he was praying. Now, the disciples, they may have not known that Jesus, you know, was aware what was going on, but, uh, you know, he saw what was going on with them. And when you and I go through a crisis, often we lose sight of him, like the disciples did but he never loses sight of us. 
You know, when we cannot see Jesus in the midst of our storm, listen, he always sees you. Storms can never hide the face of God. And Jesus prayed on firm ground, you know, while they sailed on uncertain waters. Do you wonder what Jesus prayed about? I thought about that. You know, what, what was Jesus praying about? Here, his friends were in trouble. You know, I, the Bible doesn't say what he prayed about, but I can imagine that he prayed for two things. One of them, I think he prayed for himself. Remember the crowds, they wanted to make Jesus king because he was a walking cafeteria. You know, all-you-can-eat buffet every day. All right? So, do you remember also the temptations when Jesus went in the desert to be tempted by Satan? What did Satan tell him? Hey, not only, hey, I can feed you, but not only that, I give you all the kingdoms. You can be king. And you see, this was just another temptation by Satan. Uh, you know, he could be king. So Jesus prayed for himself that he would not have a crown in mind, but that he would have the cross in mind. So he prayed for himself. But then also, I think he prayed for his disciples. I think he prayed for his disciples that they would grow in their faith and trust in him when they were going through storms. You see, Jesus already had calmed a storm before in their life. Do you remember that? Matthew 8 tells us that they were in a storm. And what was Jesus doing? He was with them in the boat, and he was asleep. And it was daytime. But now, he's not with them physically, and it was nighttime. And he was absent. But all of that was preparation for them to trust him even when they couldn't see him, that Jesus was still there. You see, that he would be with them whether he was physically present or not. Are you in a storm right now? Then hang on to this truth. Jesus is watching over you and he's praying for you. And he's praying that the storm will not defeat you but that it will develop you, that it will help your faith grow. What is the storm that is rocking your life right now? You know, it can be anything from the silly to the serious. Maybe it has to do with your career or cancer. Maybe it's about money or a mental illness. Maybe it's, you know, about being pregnant or dealing with pornography. Maybe from an attitude problem to an addiction problem. Maybe it has to do with relationships or religion or anything in between. In the middle of your storm, remember that Jesus is praying for you right now at this very moment. Look what Hebrews 7, 24, 25 tells us. Or listen to it. Because Jesus lives forever, he will never stop serving as priest. Priest is a bridge builder between us and God, the Heavenly Father. So he's able always to save those who come to God through him because he always lives asking God to help them. He's always interceding for us. Do you realize what this tells us? This tells us that Jesus is praying for us while we are in the storms of life. And, uh, you know, we know that the Heavenly Father always hears uh, the prayers of his son. When we're going through a storms, 
You know, sometimes we ask other people to put us on their prayer list. And sometimes other people ask us, you know, uh, to pray for them. Now, we may or may not uh, remember to pray for the people, you know, because we're human and we're forgetful, we're finite, and we cannot pray for everybody, you know, about everything. Think about it. You are on Jesus' prayer list, and he never forgets to pray for you. He prays, what does he pray for? That when you go through trials, that you will not give in to bitterness, when you go through struggles, that you will not give in to despair, that your faith will grow, and that you will still obey God in the darkness, that you will still serve God when things are not going your way, and that you will, you know, hold on to the truth when you feel like giving up. Jesus prays for your spiritual growth right now, to grow spiritually. If you want to grow spiritually, listen, you have to have difficulties in life so your faith can be tested. Until your faith is put to the test, listen, it, re it remains theoretical. You never know what you believe until you go through hard times, right? When hard times come, when storms come, then you find out for better or for worse. You know, when the phone rings with good news, when the doctor comes and gives you a bad diagnosis, when uh, you lose your job, or when your son is in jail, you know, or your best friend betrays you, or your, uh, your husband walks out on you. You know, uh, when life comes apart at the seams, then you find out what you actually believe in, you see, in the depth of your soul. What do you believe? when the storms hit your life. Until then, your faith is speculative, you see, because it's untested. I mean, you can talk all about heaven and uh, salvation and eternal life. You can talk about all you want, but you will discover what you really believe when you stand by the casket of somebody that you truly, dearly love. So Jesus is praying for you. He's praying that you realize that when your faith is tested in a storm, that you can trust him, that he is always there, and that he's aware of what's going on, and that he's in control. But not only that, with Jesus, you can survive any storm because you're controlled, first of all, by his providence. Secondly, you can survive any storm because you're covered by his prayers. And thirdly, with Jesus, you can survive any storm because you are comforted by his presence. You are comforted by his presence. That's the third soul anchor that you've got to hang on to. And that's found in verses 19 and 20. Look what it says. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I. Do not be afraid. Now, remember, it was the darkest hour of the night, and these guys were afraid. They were scared. But it was in the darkest hour that Jesus came. Why didn't he come sooner? I mean, was he being cruel to them? Did he want them to suffer? Now, I imagine the disciples that were wondering, where's Jesus? Why doesn't he come to help us? You know, if he can feed 5,000, can he save us? Now, has he forgotten about us? 
The problem was not that he had forgotten them. The problem was that they had forgotten him. You know, that is the disciples, they had already forgotten the significance, the true significance of the miracle of feeding the 5,000. Look what uh, Mark 6, verse 51 tells us. The same story, same what's happening. It says, Then he climbed into the boat, and the wind stopped. They were astonished of what they saw. But then it says this, They still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the multiplied loaves, for their hearts were hard, and they didn't believe. Mark does not say that they forgot that the miracle happened. They just forgot the, signific the significance, what it was all about. I mean, do you remember after the miracle, there were 12 baskets full left over of food? And it was a basket, I imagine, for each one of the disciples. And so they're sitting in the boat between their legs, a basket full of food, you know, showing them, hey, no situation is impossible for Jesus. And they forgot that the Lord, who could feed a multitude with a, a, a poor boy's lunch, you know, would keep their boat from sinking. Listen, Jesus, this is, this is why you, okay, this is why you and I need more than miracles in our life. We need Jesus on a daily basis. It's so easy to forget what God has done in the past and that he can be trusted no matter what your circumstances are right now. But why did Jesus wait so long to come to them? Why does he wait so long before he shows up in your storm? Why is that? You know, he waited, listen, until the disciples understood the full force of the storm and the hopelessness of their situation before he intervened. You see? Uh, once it became clear to them, you know, that uh, they need to look at that situation in a different way, that they were hopelessly lost without Jesus, you know, then they understood. In your life, Jesus is waiting until you and everyone around you knows that only he can deliver you. See, God steps in just at the right time. He's never late, Okay. But he wants to make sure that you give him the glory for delivering you from the storm, for calming the storm in your life. Now, take a moment to let the picture sink in. You know, the disciples, they're in trouble. And the very person who was able to help them was approaching them. Only he wasn't in the boat. The disciples didn't recognize him. Matthew tells us, you know, they were so scared. They thought it was a ghost. So uh, I think Matthew wants us to know that sometimes, you know, it takes eyes of faith to recognize when Jesus is around. And often in the middle of a storm, when we are tormented by waves of doubt and you are tormented by waves of, of, of disappointment and fear, we are no better at recognizing his presence than they were. Sometimes we just don't recognize it when Jesus is there. So when Jesus came to the disciples on the water, he was not just doing a neat magic trick. When he was walking on the water, he was revealing his divine presence and his divine power. And when God shows up, sometimes 
That can be scary. Now the disciples, they were filled with fear. What does Jesus do? You know, he knows they're scared. You know, Jesus handled their fear with words. He says, it is I. Do not be afraid. His two short sentences did not stop the storm, okay? Nor did they get Jesus into the boat. In other words, Jesus did not change anything that was scaring them. All he was doing changed their perspective on what was happening. See, most of the time when we are afraid, we want more than words. But words are what Jesus gives us because words are what we most need. You know, often it's not our circumstances that need to change, but it is our understanding of what is happening, our understanding of those circumstances that needs to change. And that's why Jesus tells you when you're frightened. He says to you and to me, it is I. Don't be afraid. See, he wants to change you first on the inside. He wants to speak peace into your heart first and then change the situation. And I, most of you have experienced that, right? You know, God speaks to you and, and everything's calm. Even though the storm's still going on, but inside, you're at peace. What was the disciples' biggest problem that day? What was their biggest problem? Well, the stormy water. I mean, <clears throat> the stormy water. I mean, it was just going all over the place. What was their biggest fear? The biggest fear was that they were going to be thrown into the water, <coughs> excuse me, and that the waves, you know, would just come over their heads and drown them. When Jesus walked on that stormy water, you know what he was showing them? He was showing them what they thought was going to be over their heads was already under his feet. That's why he walked on the water. What was over their heads was already under his feet. In the same way, see, whatever you may think be over your head is already under Jesus' feet. And you can be at peace. Don't ever forget that. Whatever scares the living daylights out of you right now, whatever is, you feel like is opposing you. The problem is when they got through trials, so when we go through trials and crises, you know, we tend to think that we're all alone, but we are not. God is with you, and his presence comforts you. In Isaiah 43, it says this, Do not be afraid, God says, I will save you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the deep waters, I will be with you. Your troubles, they will not overwhelm you. They will not overwhelm you. He's saying, I'm with you no matter what situation that you go through. God is with you. You see, you never go through a crisis by yourself with Jesus. So you say to yourself, hey, I'm not by myself. God is with me. And if God is with me, you know, what am I worried about? If God is near, there is no fear. All right? God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm with you always. But the point that I want to make here is it doesn't matter 
You know, if my boat is rocking like crazy in the storm, it doesn't matter how much the boat is shaking right now in your storm. Jesus says to you, it is I. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You are comforted by his presence. That's an anchor for your soul. What are the anchors for your soul? They are the providence of Jesus, that there is nothing that comes into your life except that which Christ either causes or allows. The prayer of Jesus is an anchor. The prayer of Jesus is that you will, you know, trust him with all your heart, that you will grow in your faith, that he will not destroy you, but that it will develop you, that storm. And then the presence of Jesus, that he's with you at any, at any point of your life when you need it the most and you need him the most, he is with you. But the fourth anchor for your heart, for your soul that we see here is with Jesus, you can survive any storm because you're created for his purpose. You're created for his purpose, the purpose of God for your life. You know, Jesus told the disciples to go ahead of him uh, in the boat to the other side of the lake. Matthew tells us that. Jesus did not tell them, well, just get in the boat, and you may make it or you may not make it. Who knows, you know? You'll drown in the middle of the lake. No. Jesus did not tell them to go to the middle of the lake, you know, and drown. That was not his purpose for their life. His purpose for them was to, to reach the other side. They didn't know. But, you know, it was the disciples were as safe in that storm as they would have been on dry land. Why? Because Jesus wouldn't tell them to go somewhere that they couldn't get to. You know, if Jesus tells you to go somewhere, you know that you're going to make it. You see, God has not promised you smooth sailing in life. But you know what? He has promised you a safe landing. He never promised you, you're not going to go through storms. But he promised you, you're going to have a safe landing. You are being guided by his purpose, even when your boat's filling up with water. Now, as a Christian, risen as a Christ follower, everyone ought to have, you ought to have a sense of destiny. Because God has a purpose for your life. Let me tell you, no person is ever born by accident. Regardless of the circumstances of your birth, okay? You cannot, uh, you know, uh, just live here and take up space. No, God has a purpose for your life. God has a special purpose and plan for your life. And storms, they're simply temporary setbacks in that purpose, okay? Absolutely nothing can change God's ultimate purpose for your life unless unless you choose to disobey him. See, if you choose to reject his plan, he will allow you to do that. But the scripture teaches that no outside circumstances or people can change God's plan for your life. He leaves that up to you. And so you can either, you know, reject it or accept it. But no matter what happens on the outside, External forces cannot alter God's plan for your life as long as you say, God, I want to do your will. I want to follow your plan. And the purpose of God is greater 
than any storm that you will ever experience. You see, God has a plan beyond the problems that you are facing right now. The point is this. It's dangerous to focus so much on your own problems than you forget that you forget your purpose for living. And that's what happens sometimes with people. They focus so much on the problems they're going through right now, they forget that God has a plan and a purpose for their life. Because if you do that, if you just focus on the problems, you will start despairing. Do what the disciples did in verse 21. In verse 21, what the disciples do. Then they were glad that were willing to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. They were willing to receive Jesus, to take him into the boat. See, this is one of the greatest things about having Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, as a manager of your life. When you face the storms of life, Jesus is in your boat. And when Jesus is in your boat, that there are two truths then that you can hang on to, okay? Two truths that you can count on. First of all, that storms don't last forever. Storms don't last forever. And with Jesus in your boat, the boat is not going to sink. Remember that. With Jesus in your boat, storms won't last forever and the boat's not going to sink. There's nothing better than having that reassurance. So you may be going through a storm right now, but if you respond with faith and trust Jesus Christ and take Jesus into the boat and welcome him into the circumstances, welcome him into your life, the ship's not going to sink and the, the, the storm's not going to last forever. You will make it to the shore. You will make it to solid ground. But you have to trust Jesus. Isaiah 26 says, You, Lord, give perfect peace to those who keep their purpose firm and put their trust in you. In the midst of the storm, you can have peace. You know, peace is a gift from God that flows from faith. You cannot fake peace. You either have it or you don't. And peace comes when you truly believe that God is in charge and that God is good and that a peace comes when you choose to trust him for that which you cannot control yourself. Peace comes when you know that God will see you through and accomplish his purpose in you. So let me ask you, what is rocking your boat this morning? What's got you all uptight, all shook up? What storm are you sailing through right now? Is it a financial storm, a relational storm, an emotional storm, secret storm? Is your ship taking on water and you feel like you're about to sink? What are the options? Well, I can be filled with peace or I can be filled with panic. Either peace or panic. Jesus Christ can calm the restlessness in your heart. There is a, a lesson that I've learned personally that I want to share with you. You know, I've gone through quite a few very severe storms. But I found out that in every storm, 
Jesus had come out to help me. He has never left me in panic. He has never left me frightened and all alone. So you would think, you know, that I would never be afraid again because I have so much experience, right, from Jesus always showing up. No. See, my problem is like the disciples' problem. I forget what Jesus has done in the past. You know, I forget that what is over my head is already under his feet. Well, may we all learn the lesson together. Jesus will always show up in every storm. He wants you to take him into your boat and make him the captain if you have not ever done so. And when you do that, he quiets the storm within your heart and he brings you safely to the shore. And that's when you begin to know the meaning of his words. It is I. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. If you listen, you know that he is there when the waters get rough. Would you bow your heads, please, and close your eyes? And I just want to take us a minute just to reflect and to let God speak to you. You know, some of you needed this message this morning because you are in a hopeless situation. Some of you didn't need it today, but you're going to need it maybe this week or next month, but sometimes, because storms don't play favorites. We all experience problems in life. And let me just say, if you're going through a storm right now, I want to pray for you. Would you just raise your hand say, hey, Walter, I'd really appreciate it. I'm going through a storm right now, and I'd appreciate it if you would pray for me. All right. You can put your head, hand down. Dear Jesus, I want to pray right now that you will help the people that raise their hand, that they will feel your presence right now. Let them know that you are with them no matter what happens. Help them to be strengthened by your presence. God, help them to know your purpose for their lives. Help them to know that your purpose is greater than their problem and that they will make it with your help. Lord, I pray that you would replace their anxiety and fear with your peace, with your confidence, with your calmness. Just surround them with your love right now. I thank you, Lord, that you came to save us, not to scare us. And if you've raised your hand, why don't you quietly say to the Lord, not out loud, but in your heart, just say, Jesus, not only come into my life, not only come into my boat, but guide it. Help me to trust in you in the midst of my storm. Take the steering wheel and make it go into the direction that it needs to go. Take the steering wheel of my life and help me to follow you. Say, Lord, help me to believe that what is over my head is under your feet. Help me to believe that the boat will not sink and that the storm will not last forever. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us not to fear when crises come, but to realize that you are with us and to depend upon your presence and your power and your peace in our hearts. We love you, Jesus.
It's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to have a song of commitment, and Jonathan is going to stand up front here, and if you need to make a public decision in some way, uh, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan will be glad to receive you, okay?